Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We love giving parents the opportunity to share parts of their journey as a family impacted by disability with our listeners here on our podcast. So if you find the stories that you hear on this podcast encouraging and hopeful, we would be so grateful if you would let other special needs families know about this resource by sharing the podcast with them and also by leaving us a rating and review. That will help other families find us. So thank you so much for doing that for us. You know, we have another inspiring family with us today to share their story. Alan and Sarah Young are joining us from Washington State, and they have three boys who are all impacted by autism. Alan and Sarah are the owners and directors of Autism Acres, which is located in Washington State, and you'll get to hear more about that and their inspiring story all throughout this episode. So here's the conversation I had with Alan and Sarah Young. Hey, Alan and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today all the way from Washington State. We are excited to have you today on the Rising Above Podcast, so welcome. Thank you. We are so happy to be here. Well, I'd love for you guys, this is the first time that we've met, and so I would love for you all to just introduce yourself. Just give us a quick little introduction about who you guys are. Um, I'm Sarah Young. Uh, We have three boys who are on the autism spectrum. Um, I homeschool them and we are your heart (laughs) (laughs) definitely has its challenges Um, and we are the owners and directors of autism acres in Rochester Washington and we're going to be digging into that in this conversation and Alan I know you are a military guy so tell us about that yes um, I've been in the military for over 18 years and uh, it's been a has its ups and downs, challenges, and then adding on doing this uh, ministry as I get out is uh, pretty challenging as well. Yeah. Balance. Balance. Balancing. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. When you get it figured out, let me know, because, you know, yeah. I think yeah. we're all still trying to figure that out. But I know uh, you guys have been married for 16 years. So yeah. congratulations on that. And, yeah. you know, Alan, thank you for your service. Um, my late husband, was always so respectful of the military, had such admiration for people who served our country. So he would be telling you, thank you. And so I say thank you for your for your years of service. And I know you guys, you've got three boys and all of them are on the spectrum. Yes. So tell us about that. Tell us about that journey of coming to a diagnosis for each one and kind of what this journey has been like um, with three boys on the spectrum. Um, so we got married, I was 18 and Alan was 21 and he went on his first 15 months deployment, uh, about five months after we got married and then he came home and very quickly we were expecting mm. our first kiddo. Um, so we were young, um, technically newly married. If you yeah. think about it, we really hadn't spent a lot of time, um, being married in the same, under the same roof. Um, we just started noticing things that were different about Tristan. Um, when you're a military family, a lot of people have kids young and have kids. And so, um, you just spend time with them and, um, just notice 
you know, he'd love to carry around um, two socks or a wipey and a sock at all times. He always had to have those two objects in his hand. Um, wouldn't respond to his name, wouldn't wave higher by, and then wouldn't communicate his needs. So it was, he would just um, scream and bang his head on the floor um, when he wanted something. And then it was just kind of this guessing game of trying to figure that out what he wanted. Um, so I went to our pediatrician and I just raised my concerns and I, the pediatrician said, I think you're overreacting, <laughs> yes. but I'll get you a referral for a deve developmental pediatrician. And they came to our home. This was when we were stationed at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. They came into our home and after, you know, a two hour long kind of evaluation, you know, he told me at the end, he's like, I knew within 10 mi minutes of meeting your son that I was going to diagnose him with autism today. Mm -hmm. um, and he was diagnosed with severe autism at that time. That was back in 2011. And I had just found out I was pregnant with baby number two. I was about eight weeks pregnant. So I can let Alan talk about his response. To yeah, this. I was wondering, you know, I guess I was, I was wondering, you know, you're, you are just getting this diagnosis. You're pregnant, expecting your second child, newly pregnant with your second baby. And, you know, moms react one way, dads react another way. So Alan, what was your response? What was your reaction like? Um, I didn't really want to believe that. Um, I was kind of, uh, well, what does this one doctor know? Um uh, so I definitely had a lot more uh, anxiety against that and mm. uh, wasn't believing what the doctor was putting out. Like severe, really, um, mm -hmm. he's not that bad. So I downplayed it a lot, and uh, which wasn't healthy. I should have uh, probably dove in a lot more. But again, I was on that cycle of uh, year on, year off uh, deployment cycle. So I was not fully involved and I wasn't mm -hmm. seeing everything that Sarah was seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how, what was that like for you, Sarah, with him being deployed? You are, you know, dealing with this, like you said, on and he's on there and then not there. Yeah. And just the emotions of that, of of being in and out, you know, being a military family and then right. diagnosis on top of that. How how was that for you as a young mom? So um we had Tristan. He was going to a school three hours away. I had him he came home and a month later deployed for a year. So Tristan at this point was three months old, yeah. four months old, and he left for a year. So he came back to Tristan being about 16 months old. So really then only got to spend about seven months with him before we got a diagnosis. Mm. Um, and in that seven months, Tristan, it took him a really long time to warm up to Alan. Like if I was in the room, Alan was not allowed to hold him. You know, Tristan really took a while to warm up mm -hmm. to that. Now dad is Tristan's person, yeah. <laughs> which is just so interesting. Um, but honestly, just with my childhood, um, lack of good examples of parent upbringing um, and getting, having kids so young and then them being special needs on top of the trauma I had experienced as a kid, mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I didn't know what this meant. And I really um, didn't want to deal with it, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, yeah. So 
it was kind of this, I have no idea what I'm doing. And there were services and things I could have started getting him into. And I just chose not to out of like this, this can't be my life. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of this, like, God, you gave me so much when I was younger. Why are you doing this to me now? You know, that was a lot of our years. A lot of my years Mm -hmm. was this. I've already been through enough, haven't I? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) so it was really hard to grapple with. Yeah. Well, fast forward then. So you've got Tristan mm-hmm. and you, you've got your other son who he's now born. Right. And when did you start realizing, oh my goodness, we may have something going on here as well? So again, uh, Alan left when Ethan was four months old. <laughs> so I have Tristan, who's special needs and doesn't understand when mom's feeding baby, I can't get up to get him something. So he would just cry at my feet, Tristan. And so then I would just cry because I couldn't help him right then and there. Um, But it actually took longer for Ethan for us to notice it. Ethan um, was very, very, very friendly. Um, Overly (laughs) friendly was what we came to terms with. But when he was two, he wanted to be around people. He played, he, but what we eventually realized was like, he plays to the point that a kid doesn't want to play with him anymore. You know, like you're so, it was so over the the top and so in my bubble and like no sense of personal boundaries. And so it took us, um, actually it wasn't until he was about four or five that I just started kind of making a list with him that when I'm around other five-year-olds, I'm not seeing this behavior, but this is what I'm seeing in um, my voice. So it was actually, we saw it, I want to say in Logan, our third one, before we saw that also um, the higher functioning autism traits, me looking up that and going, oh, Ethan actually qualifies for these. Mm. It just looks different than yeah. Tristan, what Tristan and Logan uh, look like. So so what about Logan? So then Logan is, so you have your, your third son. And so share that journey. So, um, sorry, I'm talking about, <laughs> I do that. Um, we were unsure if we wanted more after we had Ethan. Ethan was um, very mean to Tristan. Mm. Very mean. Uh, because he didn't get his attention he then found ways to get his attention. And that was through throwing toys at him, scratching him, biting him just, and Tristan became so defensive. Anytime Ethan was like near him, he was like Mm. terrified of him. Um, So we were like, you know, we probably shouldn't have more. (laughs) And again, Alan was about to deploy and I got to send him a surprise. (laughs) We are in fact having more. Uh, positive pregnancy test yeah. literally a week after he left four or five days mm-hmm. after he left. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. Um, so that we had to just even wrap our minds around that of, we feel so overwhelmed with the two mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. I can't imagine bringing another one. And then, um, I would take him to, there was this rainbows and raindrops place that had an alphabet rug at their, uh, little play center. And at, 16 months old, Logan could go and point and be like, where's the P? And he'd go and touch it. Where's the Z? And he like, didn't give it to him an order and he could go point out the letters, you know, wasn't waving high and by just doing a lot of stuff that tri- like 
And we knew it wasn't like him mimicking because it's not like Tristan and Logan spent a lot of time together. They, yeah. um, so when I saw that, I was like, he has autism. Oh <laughs> so what did that, I mean, how did you handle that? You know, how, how you being here, having the three boys dealing with it, Sarah, how did you deal with it? And then Alan, how was it for you being deployed and you know, your wife is back home caring for these kids. Sarah, we'll start with you. Um, so when we went to get the diagnosis, uh, we were working with, um, Tristan's ABA therapy office. We got him into ABA here in Washington. And then as they're hanging out with us and our boys, and we're working through the process of getting them diagnosed, they saved a spot for us. They saved a spot for our other two kids. They're like, we know they're on the spectrum. We just need that confirmed. Um, they were back to back. We had Ethan or we had Logan's. Um, no, so excuse me, we had Ethan's and they gave him a tentative autism diagnosis because they wanted to do the like three hour long, you know, more interactive one. So we got the tentative one. And then about a month later, I went in for Logan's because he had turned two. And so we could go and actually get his diagnosis. Um, you know, the doctors are like, this is clearly not your first rodeo. You, you know, you seem to have it together. You've got all this paperwork and stuff. And I just remember... I left the doctor's office, like the cold, the air just like hit my face and I have Logan and I just broke down, you know, that's when it hit me like three, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just how we had been dealing with it at that moment was not a, a way that was going to bring any fruit from it. We were just mm-hmm. really like in that, like victim in that, like mm-hmm. why us in that, mm-hmm. like not seeing it for what we see it as today. Um, so, um, I remember I put on that song, um, here's my broken hallelujah. Mm -hmm. No, I can barely stand right now. The whole world is crashing down and Alan and I in the car just sobbed together. Yeah. Yeah. You're reeling, you're reeling with the news, you're reeling with the reality. And, um, this, you know, that, that feeling of here we go again. And I think, you know, when, when you've been through it, you, you, yes, it's, it gives you some comfort knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. but you also know what to expect. And exactly. so that it's comforting, but it's also like, you know, here we go again. So Alan, what was it like for you? Um, so with the deployments and leaving her uh, to deal with all this, was uh, very hard. There were a lot of phone calls um, of her just, you know, reeling and giving her heart out. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's nothing I can do. Um, yeah. So it definitely, uh, definitely sucked having to leave her constantly mm-hmm. for deployments, trainings, um, schools, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Which, in my later years, I have been able to turn down um, deployments, and my chain mm-hmm. of command is helpful in that. And understand that yeah. what my wife is going to be going through if I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it, it was hard watching Logan run around in circles and understanding like, yep, here we go again. Here we go again. Uh, yeah. It's just that the constant thought of loss of, you know, the dreams you have for your children. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of what you thought your life would be like. And, you know, praise God that it, it has changed and we do mm-hmm. see a different future than yeah. look like the traditional, mm-hmm. but uh, it's definitely, blossoming into something even better. Yeah. 
And isn't that beautiful? I love that when we can get to that place of seeing that, you know, this truly is hard as it is, you know, all those tears and all the pain, but that God can truly use it for his good. And mm-hmm. when when we get to that place of where we can see, no, you know what, this really is God's best for us, then mm-hmm. that joy can come in and that hope can come in. And then we're able to inspire and help other people. But, you know, I know in those early years, uh, the isolation had to have been overwhelming. What was it, what was it like for your family when you're looking at the isolation, you know, you're deployed on and off, uh, Sarah, you're home with the kids and that sense of isolation. What was that like for you guys in those early years? Did you have anybody who came alongside you? What did, what was that like for you? In the earlier years. So we have family about in between two and a half and four hours away. Um, so the, they would come up, you know, when they could to help out, um, give us a break or something like that. Um, but I, t- I talk about on our website how you just you start with these friends. And these people can be the most well-intentioned people. I, I don't think there was ever any intention to hurt us. Um, but just things start happening where you stop going places because you see um, your kid upstairs. You walk upstairs to check on all the kids while they're all playing together. And you're at a Bible study downstairs. And your middle son is, they're holding the door shut because they don't want to play with him anymore. Oh, wow. And he's just crying on the other side. And so um, it's exhausting to go places. Mm -hmm. You know, the effort it takes to pack up all the things we would need to try to soothe them if there's meltdowns or whatever. And then we get there Mm -hmm. and putting out fires or constantly being on. You know, we talk about that, that we constantly feel on. And um, so that exhausts you when you go places. So you start saying no to things. And then the invites just stop and um, you stop hearing from friends. And, and so because you can't keep a connection, you can't really have a relationship with people. It's very difficult. Um, so um, when he went to Korea in 2018, uh, we moved into a new house. Um, I really didn't have friends and we hadn't been to church in four or five years. Um, churches typically aren't always equipped to accommodate, you know, Mm -hmm. more special needs kiddos. Tristan was a potty train um, at the time of being eight, seven, eight years old. Um, That was hands down the hardest year of my life. Mm. Um, So many things went wrong at this house. (laughs) We bought an older home and didn't have the time because we moved into it and he left seven days later for Korea for a year. So we didn't have the time to put a lot of, Let's spruce it up and make it our own home before he left. So it didn't feel like home. I didn't get a chance to make it, build it as a home with Alan. Um, Tristan, we were on five acres, so he would get out and then would like be laying in a field, but he doesn't call, like doesn't answer to his name. So so it's this Tristan, Tristan, I'm having to run around our five acres to find him. And um, the loneliness, Mm. I mean, like I said, my friend pool was just gone people or you make friends in the military and then they move away. Yeah. You know, um, 
But in that season, it was a season of towards the end. Just the thought of, I don't know if I should trigger warning preface anything, but just the constant thought of if I could just put a bullet in my head, everything would go black and the noise and the constant screaming would stop. Mm. So, and when you got to that point, what did you do? Because you're not there now. Right. (laughs) Well, uh, sadly I called the church in desperation. Uh, they were closed. It was a Monday and I left them a message just crying that I needed help. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lady that I knew that attended that church, I reached out to her because within two weeks, I still hadn't heard anything from them. And so she had asked the pastor, she's like, Hey, a girl I know called and um, left you guys a message that she needed help. She was crying. And, um, the response was she's on our radar. (laughs) And so I did eventually get a call about a week after that. And the solution was, um, so I'm about seven months at this point into Korea out of 12. And so the, the solution was in four months, they need four months to get the people together they needed. And I could go to church one Saturday a month. And I just remember thinking, A, I will be at month 11 at that point. Yeah. B, I need someone, anything mm-hmm. now. Like, I'm not saying church and community is not the solution, but right now that was not my solution. And I said, I just need a friend. Mm-hmm. I said that to her on the phone. And um, so she prayed. She prayed that God would send me a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, it just gets hard that we get so busy that I think we forget to be the hands and feet of Jesus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, And I love prayer and I believe in the power of prayer and I believe the importance of it. But I just sometimes wonder if we're letting it be a band-aid when we can, you know, be the actions of Jesus sometimes. So So did people come alongside finally? And and, and No. No. I actually didn't hear back from them even in that four months. Um, Alan came home and then we actually, um, well, God answered the prayer though. Yeah, uh, it was after Alan got home from Korea, but a friend of mine who I connected with and then um, she had five kids of her own and um, was pregnant with, you know, that baby number two. So now seven kids. She um, she uh, reached out to me just, hey, you've been on my heart. Like, isn't that how God works? He just mm-hmm. plants that seed on yeah. someone's heart. And she reached out to me and we went to lunch a couple of times and she told us about um this Bible study she's in where they just like, they wanted more than um, what they felt like they were getting from attending church. They wanted deeper, you know, Bible study. And so um, I just was like, can you ask them if we can join? We need something. We need mm-hmm. anything. It's mm-hmm. been six years now. Yeah. Um, so she did. She asked them if we could join and they said yes, knowing we had three special needs kids. They opened up their home. Love that. I love that. And what, you know, what I love, I think so often God places people on our hearts. And I, I mean, I'm the first to admit sometimes I go, oh, well, I'll I'll reach out to them later or I'll, I'll check on them tonight when maybe we are to be that one, just like that yeah. person, God was nudging her to contact you and it was a lifeline for you. And um, so I think that just, that's just a reminder for me to be 
really aware when God places somebody on my heart to to reach out, even if it's if it's a quick, you know, you're on my heart. I want to check on you. So yeah. I love that he he did answer your prayer and he did send someone um, to speak some hope to you. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I love what you guys have done because you have taken. Uh, something that is so hard and so challenging, the isolation, the loneliness, the uh, having three kids on the spectrum, but you have turned it into something good and you have created a space for other families like yours and it's called Autism Acres. And so I would love for us to talk a little bit about that and what that looks like. So tell us about Autism Acres. So Autism Acres is a... uh a place that uh, special needs families can come for free um, to play, to meet other special needs families. So it's fun to watch the kids start playing. At first, they, the parents are following them around and stuff, and then they realize that it's enclosed. So they actually kind of stop following their kids around, and they start talking to each other. Mm. And we're starting to see a lot of people making friends, passing phone numbers around to connect after the play days. And then a lot of times people like ask us, um, you know, why'd you do this? And that, that's where we get to, to share our, our faith. And that's where we get to be like, you know, this is placed on our heart. Um, we wanted to do missions and I was planning to go to Togo, Africa. <laughs> it's surrounded by all these unreached people groups. And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he, he put it on our heart to, do missions here for mm-hmm. hurting families that are right next to us and we can relate to them on such a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So we put this out to have families just find healing um, and connect with people and work through this life of challenges together. So it's on your property. You own the property. Yes. And uh, so I, I went to your website and I saw where you've created a space. You've got swings. And t- just tell everybody a little bit about what all's there on the property for the, for uh, your friends with special needs to interact with. Uh, so we have five fully fenced acres. And then we have these little like subsections fenced in. So one of them, uh, we have four sensory swings. They're big dome swings with like a sensory, it either spins or just kind of sways. Um, so we have a field of swings. And then um, my husband just finished up the um, fort, so to speak. We built a safe platform that's enclosed uh, for our zip line. We have a zip line. Um, we set up uh, these blow up um, bowling pins and kids get to go down and knock them over. They really oh, love that. Fun. Um, and then we have our barn, which is like our main attraction, so to speak. It's enclosed as well. It has a gate that the lock is even difficult for the adults to figure out. So that's a plus. <laughs> and inside we blow up a commercial size bounce house. We have a trampoline. We have our goats can come in from the outside field so the kids can be in the barn and feed them. Mm. Um, we have a play shed and inside the shed uh, we've converted it and it has a train table, a dollhouse, a grocery store, and then just some like uh, sensory style toys and fidgets. And then our biggest uh, 
just something I just love that we have. It hasn't super been utilized yet, but I think it's coming. We actually have a wheelchair accessible play structure um, and special flooring. So wheelchairs can get up on the structure and the platforms in play. Um, and then it just has a bunch of sensory toys up on the structure. So, so you're just expanding and growing as new ideas come to you. And yep. And, and so why did you want to do this? Why did you want to open up your property? Why did you want to make a space for families to come and have community? Because we did not have community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we do that? We start things. Get them to come to me by creating a fun space. Hey, been there, done that. Totally get it. Yeah, it came out of uh, desperation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just go to the park. Or a normal park, you're gonna to have to run around with your kid. Yeah. Um, and then just having um, a place that people get it. Um, mm-hmm. That if your kid has a meltdown, your kid starts screaming and hitting you, we understand that. And yeah. we're gonna ask you, how can we help and not mm-hmm. just stare? And that's, that's the reason this all yeah. <laughs> came into existence. Yeah. And we've been given a gift, a free gift. So we freely give. Mm. So that's why we want to keep it free. We want to make sure that nobody feels pressured or anything. If their kid was only here for five minutes because of the sensory overload, they didn't waste the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that um, you've you've had lots of families come in and out the door, Mm -hmm. in and off the property. So share some of the stories. What have been some of the ways that you have seen families impacted by this amazing property that you were opening up for them to, to uh, be a part of? I think some of the coolest ones, um, just hearing moms go, I mean, friends invite me to the park and I tell them if I go, I'm not going to get to talk to you. Like I can't, you're, you're watching your kid. So um, there's been, there's been one, they, they come out and um, he likes to throw balls into the bounce house, but would like never, get into the bounce house. Mm. Um, I've become quite fond of this uh, little guy. He's, I believe, nine now. Uh, we even had his birthday party out here. We offer free birthday parties and just all the stuff. But um, at his birthday party, we finally got him on to the bounce house. And he would jump. Like, that was just like, that made me here to get him yeah. on the bounce house. Um, just even a personal story for us. Um, our middle guy, our middle son, he could not make a friend at school. Like I said, he's, he's more, he has the, um, level one autism, but also ADHD, like really pretty severe ADHD. And so he could just not make friends. He was bullied. Um, he has tics and kids would make fun of his tics. And he was just in tears. Like, he loves homeschool. He does not want to go back to school because of being bullied. And his birthday is next month. And so we're just like, you know, make a list of people you'd like to invite. And where Ethan had none, he had about 12 kids mm. on that list now from meeting them at play days. So that is our personal story in and of itself. Um, and then I think our youth night was super cool. We do youth night as well. Um, those teenagers, they started exchanging numbers or like screen names for playing computer games or whatever, you know, Minecraft, um, that started to get exchanged. And these parents are like, 
my kid just made a friend. Like they've never really had a, you know? And so you see it in the parents, them getting to like Mm -hmm. laugh, genuinely seeing these parents laughing and connecting with someone else. Um, Sometimes the parents are exchanging numbers. Their little kids get along really well. Um, Getting high fives from these kids, hugs from them. We'll hear that too. We had a mom come out also with three autistic kiddos. And um, when they were leaving, one of them let me carry them, which she was like, I can't believe he's even allowing this right now. But he, he gave Alan a hug and wanted to give him a kiss on the cheek. You know, we've been given high fives and, and blown kisses and stuff. And these parents are like, my kid does not do this. Yeah. They know you're safe. The people they know really well. I feel like they have a sense Mm -hmm. just of the spirit that's coming out of us, like of peace and of just love for these families and these kids. I feel like their kids just really sense that. And so it's just been cool to just be a part of, of all of it really. So it was a need that you all had in your own personal life. And now God's using it to not only bring healing to you, but to bring healing to the other families that uh, are in the desperate need as well. And then as part of that, you're getting to share your faith along the journey. So that, that is beautiful. And so are you open certain hours? How, how does all that work? Can people rent it, reserve it? How how does all that work? So I want to share one, one quick story. Yeah. Uh, with the, with the faith, being able to share our faith, we actually got to connect a family to a church. So they actually got plugged back into another church. Yeah. Um, and they're really enjoying it. They've been attending Bible studies and then they even got to go to the Johnny and Friends camp. Because oh, wonderful. That's it. Yeah. It's been a lot of stuff. So the way that um, uh, right now how we have it signed up is through the Facebook um, messaging. And uh, so we have days from about two hours who people have been comfortable with we had it for three but people seem to enjoy the two and then they just sign up for their their hour block and we found out also that putting it for age groups has worked mm-hmm. out a lot better yeah. we had it for just open for anybody at the beginning and um, some of the bigger kids you know they just don't understand slowing down or um, who's next to them so we broke that up into um, age groups with their we do two to six, um, and then our 12 to two slot, we kind of keep open. If you don't mind a mixture, you have a mixed, you have a kid that's two, but also a kid that's nine, then you yeah. can cover that one. And then we do seven to 12 from our two to four slot. Um, I post it on Facebook. That's uh, usually where we get, we're working on the website, being able to have the calendar. People just book from there. That's coming up. Um, but we do 15 spots for kids and then um but yeah it's really worked out because then these kids are meeting kids in their age group mm, and then the parents good. are like hey let's hang out outside outside of, of um, this. yeah and they're making friends so that's amazing well you know i i suspect that there are some parents who are listening right now who are kind of you know maybe they have an idea mulling through their mind of going oh i have this need and i would love to see this happen but they're like i can't do it it's too big or coming up with a million and one excuses as to why it couldn't happen and what would you say to those parents who are probably where you were with your dream years ago what would you say to them to encourage them first of all i would just uh pray about it if it, and if it continues to, to pull on your heart mm-hmm. um, then be that 
change, be that solution. Um, if it's only for a season, then it's only for a season. But we found that uh, getting taking that step of faith has just opened up a ton of doors. There's been a lady that saw what we did. She came out once, and then she started doing a play group uh, for toddlers at her own house. Yeah. Super oh, fun. wow. So you will, you might not, you know, start the next big thing, but taking that step of faith will inspire those around you. And trusting God just opens up everything. So after that prayerful consideration, and if it's still on your heart, do it. Step out in faith and watch what God can do. We, we feel like I'm just trying to maintain right now. We're, we're not pushing a ton, and we're mm. just trying to contain what he's been blessing us with. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if you'd said no? You know, like when you look at where you are right now, what do you think you're, you know, if you'd said no, how do you, how do you think you'd be feeling today? You would not be, I see you right now. You have smiles on your faces, thinking and telling the stories about these families and your own family. Can you imagine, you know, what, what things I, might look like? I don't want to imagine. <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't, this has been the most beautiful journey and we've only been doing it. Not, I mean, we're coming up technically on a year. We always say we got a bounce house in October of mm-hmm. last year. We got our, you know, nonprofit status, but you know, we really revamped the barn while we were closed for the winter season. And when we did our grand reopening in March, I mean, really we've been open since March. That's when we got foot traffic and people, you know, the growth of the page. So just in that short amount of time, we've been so inspired and we've loved so much of what we're doing. I can't, I can't even imagine going back at this point. So where we would be though is slightly alone again. I mean, we have the friends that I know are our friends and would still Mm. be a part of our lives, but Ethan would be, you know, he, he's, he's got like a best friend and he's four, but Ethan's almost 11, you know, he needs some teenagers in his life, you know, kids that are more his age and he wouldn't have that. So again, it's slightly selfish on our Mm. part because we've seen a kid really just make some really amazing connections and friendships and he would still be slightly alone. So beautiful. Well, we'll be sure to include links to your Facebook page and your website so that people in your part of the country can check it out and see. And then, you know, I'm sure if people have questions, they can reach out to you. If this is something maybe that someone in another part of the country is considering maybe they have property. Um, maybe they could contact you and, and find out how you guys Absolutely. got started. Yeah. And share share the things you the, the been there, done that, what what yeah. what's worked, what hasn't. And I, it was stepping out in that obedience though, I think if he's yeah. telling you to do it, he's gonna provide he's gonna make a way. He's gonna provide. Yeah. He just left and right were constantly I could tell you a hundred stories of him showing up already. Mm. Like maybe not so many, but like just every time and it's it always blows my mind, which is crazy because he's God and I know he's going to show up, but it's like, it's just cool that every time I just get to constantly be in that space of you showed up, like you've got this, there's nothing I can do on earth to mess up what's his will Mm. and his plan. And so he constantly has been just showing up left and right and providing either someone just randomly giving us a check, not even knowing that we're doing autism acres and just going, I feel like God's telling me to give you this check. And I don't know why, you know, he's going to soften hearts. He's going to yeah. move mountains. He's going to make a way for, for his plan to go for. 
So I love it. Love yeah, we, it. We, we like that uh, song, uh, driving 35 with a rocket inside. And that was us. We were driving at 35 miles an hour, not knowing the, the plan he had for us. Mm. And Alex, he lit the fuse and it's been amazing. <laughs> it's been, it's been a fun journey. It's yeah. been a fun journey. Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, this is our year of restoration at Rising Above. And so we're looking at ways that that God is bringing restoration into our lives. And so we're asking all of our podcast guests, what are you doing right now that is bringing restoration into your life? I mean, this, this is, mm. this has brought complete restoration to us. We, we were in a season of, of hurt, of mm-hmm. pain. Um, from the diagnoses from our boys dealing with them day in and day out, the screaming and yelling. And he's taking all of that. And now because of them, we're finding the healing and the restoration from a ministry birth from all that pain mm-hmm. and from those boys. Yeah. It's been amazing. It's beautiful. And the connections we've made, um, we've made connection. I don't know if anyone has heard of Johnny and friends, um, but we made a connection and then we got to go to their family camp where, where these volunteers come together to just love on our boys for who exactly who they are and just give our family a week of fun and downtime and rest. We feel restored just from even going to camp. Um, but he, yeah, he took a, a season of bitterness, mm-hmm. just real bitterness. Um, and he took a group of people that led us into a Bible study and they chipped away at my wall. And then God, all of a sudden, once they started chipping, then he brought the wrecking ball and he's just like, okay, let's get this big wall down that you have. It was a great wall that I built. Mm. It was strong. <laughs> but from that bitterness is, is subsided. Uh, I have a lot more grace for, for churches now, you know, special needs wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. before I had them, right. you know, so right. he, and then to see he's going to use, yeah, I need some people to have kiddos like this, to be a voice, to be a light for them. And so to, to just get to walk in the purpose of who our children are, that's restored just, mm-hmm. just a lot. Every, like, it's just restored. They have so like, not that I didn't love my children before, but they have like, they have a kingdom purpose to me. Absolutely. They have, my children are, they have a kingdom purpose. And that was not a thought I had before, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that's our thought now. Like, what can we do that is kingdom focused, kingdom minded, um, has just really become our, our thought process. So love that so much. Well, Alan and Sarah, thank you guys so much for sharing your story. I pray that God just continues to bless you guys and bless the work that you're doing with the families in your area. And uh, just so grateful for you and your time today. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.